Once again, we appreciate very much your being here tonight. If you're visiting with us again, we want to welcome you. We have more visitors than we did a while ago. So uh, we're grateful for your being here, and, and we hope that you'll come back and be with us again very, very soon. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. As we go through our lives here on earth, from time to time, situations come up where we must make a choice. By far the most important choice that we will ever make in this life is whether or not we will serve the Lord. Joshua, the leader of Israel after Moses, said in Joshua 24 and verse 15, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For those who have already made the choice to serve the Lord, our lesson tonight will serve as a reminder that this choice to serve him was certainly the right choice. And hopefully it will encourage us to continue in that wise choice. As we study the scriptures, we see a lot of people who made right choices. People such as Joseph and Joseph, uh, Joshua, Elijah, Paul, and James and John. But our focus tonight is going to be on a choice that Moses made. And our text tonight is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. Most of you are very familiar with the story of Moses. How most of the baby boys were thrown, were put to death, but his mother put him in the Nile River in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she decided to, to save his life and raise him. With God's providence, his own mother took care of him as his nurse. But this is about that story. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. There came a time in Moses' life when he was old enough to make his own decisions. He had to make a choice whether he was going to live his life being recognized as a grandson of the king of Egypt or as a child of Almighty God. Moses chose to give up power, to give up prestige, money, and an easy life in order to be recognized as a person of God. There comes a time in every, everyone's life when that decision has to be made. We have to make a decision between the flesh and the spirit, between God and Satan, between God's people and Satan's people. In Romans 5 and verse 8, Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We should very prayerfully and thoughtfully make the right decisions. We're not going to, to fool God. In Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life 
everlasting. What's going to make the greatest impact on the decisions that you make? Who is going to have the greatest influence in your life and your decisions? There are many wrong choices, such as self, or friends, or family, or the way of least resistance. There's only one right choice, and that is God. God should influence our decision more than anyone or anything else. It doesn't matter what successes a person has in life, or what promises the world holds for him. The right choice of God must be made. Anyone who does not decide for God is against God. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 30, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I want to notice some things tonight that determine choice. There are always two elements in every decision. There's the negative and there is the positive. In the negative element, Moses said no to something. Should he continue living as a son of the king's daughter? He said no, and he meant it. His refusal implies both a strong temptation and keen insight. You ever try to second guess God? You ever think, well, if God didn't want me to do this, why did he drop it, that opportunity right in my lap? Or considering his course, Moses might have thought, well, you know, I could have been found by anybody in Egypt. Why was it that it was Pharaoh's daughter who found me? This must be providence. Surely God meant for me to stay in this house. You know, it's easy to try to convince ourselves that God wants us to do something simply because it's what we want to do. And so we see it as providential that, that God wants it that way. It must have been very tempting for Moses to stay there in the king's palace where he could enjoy all the wealth and the privileges and the prestige, so many benefits of being raised as the king's grandson. There's also a, a positive element. Moses had to do something more than just say no to staying in that house as Pharaoh's grandson. Would he reveal himself as a Hebrew? In addition to saying no to living in the house of Pharaoh's daughter, he also had to say yes to being recognized as a Hebrew, a child of God. So he refused to go one way so that he could go another way. Right living does not consist of giving up evil things alone. When we take something out of our lives that is not pleasing to God, we need to put something else in its place. Otherwise, Satan is going to try to fill that void. Jesus said in Luke 11, verses 24 through 26, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. In finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven more spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. 
It's not enough simply to stop doing what God doesn't want us to do. But we need to start serving God. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 6. Verses 11 through 13, he said, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You use the parts of your body to sin. You stop that. Now use them to serve God. He goes on to say in Romans 6 and verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness out of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. However active we've been involved in sin, when we stop that, we need to be even more active in doing what is right. Making the right decision can be costly. Moses had to give up a great deal in the decision that he made. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up a very high social position in Egypt. He did not want to be identified with the people of the world. Sadly today, some parents have this in reverse. Some parents want their children to be accepted into society. Not only that, but they want them to be among the most popular people in the schools. Popularity can bring even greater temptations. Often their children are successful in the things of the world, but they fail in spiritual things. And that is a terrible tragedy. When a person realizes that he's about to die, it's not important to that person whether he was a great athlete or not. It's not important to that person whether he had great wealth or not. It's not important to that person whether he was a, a, a successful politician or not, or whether he had multiple degrees or not, or whether he was very popular or not. The only thing that's going to be important to that person as he faces death is, am I right with God? Have I been obedient? to God. Jesus asked in Matthew 6 and verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? When Moses made that decision not to stay in Pharaoh's house. No doubt it brought disappointment to those who had taught him in his secular training and position and opportunities. They probably thought he made a very wise, a very foolish decision. But he turned away of all those things. Moses did not choose the temporary pleasures of sin. When it comes to fleshly desires, he could have been well satisfied if he'd kept his position at Pharaoh's grandson. But all sinful pleasures are only temporary just like cotton candy. They don't bring lasting happiness. They will all be destroyed with the world. 
John writes in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Moses did not choose the treasures of Egypt. Egypt had vast wealth at that time. Excavations of the tombs of the pharaohs show that very, very vividly. But Moses was willing to give up all of those treasures. But the cost of his choice is not to be measured only by what he gave up. But he chose suffering with the people of God. Verse 25 says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. As a Hebrew, he knew that he was going to be despised. But verse 26 says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He expected a life of hardship as a result of the choice that he made. And we can expect the same thing today. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. If we try to live right, we're going to be persecuted. Do we have the insight that Moses had? Do we esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in America? Do we look to the reward? The term reproach of Christ refers to unfair and unjust treatment of God's people. When we live the way God wants us to live, if we're really living that way and we're mistreated, it's unfair. We don't deserve that. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, verses 19 through 21, For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one's in their grief, suffering wrongfully. What but for what credit is it when you, if when you're beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. How did Moses come to make this choice? What's the positive side of it? The very first words of our text are, by faith, Moses. He made his choice by faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 24. His faith unlocked the treasures of God. He looked at the, tr the heavenly treasures rather than the earthly ones. The gospel is God's statement of the physical blessings that are ours when we make the right choices. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God has great plans for us, a great reward 
for those who live according to his will. Peter started out what we call 2 Peter in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 this way. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, 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 of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. As we examine the choice that Moses made very carefully, there's some things that we can notice about him. Number one, he had a clear eye for distinguishing right from wrong. In other words, he was mature. Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Secondly, Moses was able to comprehend things of real value. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, Paul says, We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Thirdly, Moses knew that the pleasures and gains of this world are only temporary. In Luke chapter 12, verses 19 and 20, the rich man said, I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, This night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you have provided? He thought he had it made. His, his crops were so big and successful, he, he just was going to take life easy. Tear down his barns, build bigger and greater ones, and just take life easy. His life was going to end that night. Fourthly, Moses set his heart on things above rather than things on the earth. And that's what God wants us to do. Paul wrote in Colossians 1, verses 1 through 3, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Looking ahead, looking to the future, not 10 years from now, but 10,000 years from now. And fifthly, Moses anticipated the coming reward, and he accepted whatever labor and hardship were necessary to obtain it. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Paul went through many trials and hardships in this life. He was punished unmercifully several times. But he wrote in Romans 8 and verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. There are always consequences to our decision. What was the outcome of the decision Moses made? His decision developed him in one of the greatest characters the Bible has ever told us about. His decision enabled him to render a great service to his people and to the world. He was the one who led God's people out of Egyptian bondage and through the wilderness into the promised land. In Deuteronomy 34, verses 6 and 7, we're told that God buried him in, the, in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. And no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the book of Deuteronomy ends with these words in Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 through 12. But since then, there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. Because of the decision Moses made, he was allowed and enabled to reach heaven. If you'd been standing by Moses there in Egypt, the choice he made may have seemed foolish and absurd. But if you'd been standing by Moses at the Mount of Transfiguration right, right next to Christ, you would know that it was the only, the only wise choice that he made. What's your life like tonight? What decision have you made? Have you chosen to obey God or to live the way Satan wants you to live? See, the choices that we make today are much like the choice that Moses made. Well, we identify with the people of the world or with the people of God. Well, we choose to enjoy the, the, the pleasures of sin for a season or the pleasures of righteousness. Will we, by our actions, reap eternal destruction? Or will we reap the reward in heaven? While Moses was still the leader of God's people, he wanted them to make a choice. He said in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 and 16, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord God will bless you. And then he said in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Today, God sets before each one of us a choice. We can choose to be obedient to him, or we can choose to ignore him. The choice that we make is going to affect our children. And that's why Moses is saying, you make the right choice so that you and your descendants can live. We're either all in or we're all out. 
We can't be halfway in and halfway out. It's one or the other. Again, Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So we've got to make that choice. It may cost us just as it cost Moses. But it's not, not even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed one day. Maybe there's just one little step between you and making the right choice. If you're not a Christian, you need to be willing to turn away from sin. To step forward and confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. To be buried with Him in baptism. To have your sins washed away in His blood. If you're a Christian who's not been faithful, you need to repent. Ask God's forgiveness. We would be glad to pray with you and for you. God promises us that when we do that, he's willing to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Is there a step between you and salvation tonight? If so, we encourage you to come now while we, can, while we stand and as we sing.